Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With your questions, comments, or concerns, Greg will answer the phone. All you need to do is give him your name and where you're calling from, and that's you know then you get it in the list. And I we start from the top and work our way down. And by the way, thanks for having me on your show and uh, we can talk the ups and downs, your annuals. Yes, if your annuals still look good, except that maybe they're getting a little bit too elongated for you, you can pinch them, keep fertilizing them, keep watering them, and you can still get a couple more months of good production out of them. Cool season annuals like pansies and things like that, yes, you can get those as well. How about bulbs? Garden centers are going to start having spring flowering bulbs. You could buy them now so you can get the selection that you want, but also realize don't plant them yet. you got to wait till the ground is much colder than what it is, or they may sprout, and then that could mess up the entire flowering circumstance for them next year. Your edibles, your vegetables, and things like that, the warm season vegetables like tomatoes, peppers, and all that stuff, they're going to start declining as far as production and everything else. But your cold season vegetables like cauliflower, broccoli, and those type things, they can go into the ground, and you should probably have already had them planted. But if you didn't, you can still get them in the ground and probably get some good food off them. Your ground covers house plants, lawn, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but always remember my answers, comments, and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. As I said before, Greg is producing, and uh, during the week I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk, where I come to people's homes, address the problems that you've perceived, keep my eyes, ears, nose, whatever, open for other things that may be impacting your landscape, and um, we'll just kind of take it from there. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage will have my email address and phone number. And you can contact me and we'll schedule a time. Also, the Good Gardening Stroll of my website is where I put the monthly updates. So the September update is in there right now. Now, a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Well, the Gateway West Jesneriad Society show and sale will be held at the Missouri Botanical Garden. You say, what is a Jesneriad? Well, that's the African Violet family. So the show and sale are open to the public on Saturday and Sunday, September 9th and 10th from 9 to 5. The cost is free with the, but, uh, the admission into the Botanical Garden. Also, next weekend, St. Louis Water Garden Society has worked out something called Splash, which is a water garden tour. That's Saturday, September 9th. You can ride a bus or you can drive independently if you want. 
want and enjoy three meals throughout the day and stroll through many great gardens. All the proceeds go to Water Charity, a nonprofit that makes people or gives people, helps people access clean drinking water and improve sanitation. So what you need to do to find out more about this, you can go to www.chaliily.com. That's Chile. And or also you can call this number, 636-527-2001. So West uh, Gateway West Jesnerian Society next weekend, show and sale at the Botanical Garden and the St. Louis Water Garden Society. You can probably go to the website and get the information for that, too, is having a water garden tour. And you could drive to all the various places that you want to or actually they're going to have a bus. So you can drive with that and, not, and just have fun and talk to all the people that are on the bus as well. So, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We'll be back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, questions about your landscape and anything else related to plant material, 314 or 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. South City is where Bob lives, and Bob, how are you today? I'm doing fine, and you? Hello, Bob, are you there? Yes, can you hear me? Hello. Oh, go ahead. I said, I'm doing fine. How are you? Very good. I need to find out if a yucca plant can be topped out safely without killing it. My wife's got one. She's had it for well over 30 years. It's got two main stalks and a third one, but the two main stalks are like close to eight feet tall. And it's about a two-inch diameter stalk on each one, and they're getting. We bring it in every fall, take it out in the summer, and it's starting to get uh, against the ceiling in the house. <laughs> well, you can cut the stalks off for sure. It, yeah, I, that's what I was wondering. You can just cut the thing off. Yeah, go down as low as you can, you know, to where you, you know, basically the foliage is, and just cut it down there. So that shouldn't be a problem. Oh, okay. I didn't want to hurt it or injure it. <laughs> You're very well, kind. <laughs> that's all I needed to know. Well, she loves plants, and I didn't want to kill the thing. Right. Now, if this is a yucca that has thorns on the end of the leaves and everything? Uh, it's got a, a pointy leaf on the end. Right. It's about an inch and a half wide, two-inch wide leaf that comes out. This is a huge plant, so whoever take, carries that in and out, that's a dangerous thing to be doing. We don't carry it. We slide it. Ah, you're smart. <laughs> it's in a tub that's about two feet in diameter. <laughs> wow. So impressive. But no, you can cut those stalks off. Okay. That's all I needed to know. Great. Thank you. Cover the stalk. Oh, do you, do you have to cover the end of the cut stalk afterwards? No, or but I, what I would do is cut it at a 45-degree angle. Don't cut it straight horizontal. Right. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. And now let's go from South City out to St. Charles in the Scott Yard. Hi, Scott. Hey, how are you? Good. I need some advice on uh, two types of trees. In the uh, spring, I planted a uh, sugar maple. And I live out in St. Charles County with real heavy clay. Right. Uh, it was a little bit root-bound when I put it in. But I did add the compost, mix it all up real good. Uh, it leafed out about a quarter of the tree did, and then it ended up dying. We did have a lot of rain. I don't know if it uh, drowned or if it was root bound and that's why 
So it ended up dying. I'm getting a replacement. Is it even worth looking at a sugar maple with clay soil? Well, it's not the ideal circumstance, but, uh, you know, I have three, three sugar maples as street trees around our house because we're on a corner. And so, they're, I mean, they've done fairly well as street trees. And, I mean, you talk about compacted soil and everything else, city, clay soils in between sidewalk and street. So, they, I mean, they've done okay. Now, you dug your hole plenty wide, three times the diameter of the root ball, and planted it so it was only 80% as deep. And then if you get another one, also, if you said it was root-bound, you should tease those roots apart. If you feel uncomfortable about pulling them apart yourself, at least go out there as you're getting just prior to planting it and then run a hose, you know, with a nozzle on it and wash some of that, you know, let's say potting mixed soil away from the root systems. So when you put it down in the hole, they have the ability of not just twisting and snarling and winding themselves back up and not moving out so they can uptake nutrients and moisture. Okay. Um, now, I guess the second part of my question is I've been doing a little bit of looking, a uh, Google search for uh, trees that are good in clay soil. Right. The Missouri Botanical Garden had a list, one of which was a Katsura tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says it's clay tolerant, but it likes well-drained. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't really work. Um, and everything else I'm reading about the Katsura says it's not great for clay soil. Right. What's your thoughts on that tree? So I would say I would stay away from that. Clay soil is really a difficult thing, you know, to grow virtually any tree in. I mean, you just don't see that many successful trees, you know, that have naturalized themselves in the clay soils. So I, it's going to be kind of a roll of the dice, to be yeah, honest okay. with you. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time, sir. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I wish there was a definitive answer. But there are so many, you know, like I said, digging the hole three times the diameter of the root ball, teasing the root system apart, planting it so only 80% of the root ball is in the ground, it's elevated. All that can really help more so than the actual variety of the tree. So the sugar maple's fine. You could try some of the, you know, the red maples. They are a little bit tougher. Some of the oaks are a little bit tougher. If you want an ornamental-type tree, you might, you know, even consider something like the redbud tree because they can take a denser clay, rocky soil as well. So... That's a tough spot, tough circumstance, and uh, don't be too discouraged because one tree didn't make it because this weather this year has been so screwy and goofy. So thanks, Scott. Now let's go over to Columbia, Illinois, into Ryan's yard. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Mike. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Sure. I uh, We built a house. Uh, we moved in in January, and we tried to get the grass growing by seeding uh, with fescue, put straw down, put the starter fertilized down. It came up pretty well um but my issue this summer and now is it's my yard now it's probably 50 percent crabgrass at this point in some spots it's super thick so i'm trying to get it ready for this fall um and next spring just wondering what the best plan of attack is for that basically there's you might as well just leave the crabgrass alone i would go ahead core aerate your area you know put seed down put seed starter fertilizer down half inch to an inch of compost over the top of that. And then next year, around when the, you know, springtime, when the yellow forsythia is in bloom, put the pre-emergent down. That's when you're going to get that crabgrass under control. So So more under control. So in other words, the crabgrass is a warm season grass. It germinates in the early spring, grows all the way until the weather starts cooling down in the fall. Then it just dies off on its own. Perfect. So that's probably what I would do. That's the other part of my question. So it's not... 
it's rooted, but it won't come back then. The so mother plant will basically. not, but it, it, those little finger things that are sticking out, like yep. four or five. Yeah. Look at those things really closely, and look how many seeds are on each one of those things. Okay. So each one of those things, you know, has let's say each let's say hand has twenty-five to fifty seeds. So each one of those okay. seeds that drops potentially could germinate next year. That's why you want to get a pre-emergent out. Perfect. I appreciate it, man. Yep. Good luck with that. Yeah, it's going to be. And any time you start, you know, a lawn circumstance from seed, just realize it's going to be years to get the thing so you're going to have a thick lawn. And that means, you know, putting seed down every May and every September. I've said that several times a day, but that's what it takes with the seed. So good luck, Ryan. And now let's go from Columbia back to St. Charles into Joanne's yard. Hi, Joanne. Hi, how are you? Very good. This is our this is our favorite uh, part of Saturday morning is coffee with the garden hotline. Um, I wanted a friend of mine told me that using banana peels was really good fertilizer for soil. So what I did is I dehydrated the peels in the in the oven and then ground them up in a coffee grinder and put them on um, my gardenia plant mm-hmm. and they turned a beautiful dark green that I have never seen before. Um, could you comment on using this? Is it something I should continue? Is it really good for the soil? Or Well, any kind of organic matter, as long as it's been composted and basically you composted it by baking it, you know, can really work well. You can also make sure that what you, you know, gardenia needs an acidic soil. So in other words, you could also, let's say, alternate with going to your favorite garden center and getting a fertilizer for acid-loving plants. Like Scott's makes them, you know, Peter's makes them, you know, Bayer's makes them. Just, you know, it's for acid-loving plants, it's going to have a couple nutrients that, uh, you know, the banana peels has some, but it's not going to have necessarily all of them that the plant material needs. Okay. But you were, yeah, I mean, you were very wise to bake that banana peel because a lot of people take eggshells out, you know, throw banana peels out, throw apple cores out. And for that stuff to break down takes a long, long time. So it's of no benefit at all to really the plant material for a considerable period of time. So you sort of accelerated the process by baking the banana peels. So could I use other fruit too? I mean, is it worth doing? Because it's a fair amount of work. Yeah, I would say, personally, I agree. I would just go and just get fertilizer and just buy okay. it and mix it up according to the label. Okay. All right. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, you could do it, but it, like you said, it is a lot of work. And if you're using your oven to bake banana peels, it will make your house smell well, nice. But if you're doing it in the summertime, it can make it pretty hot in your kitchen. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> sure. All right. And... <laughs> Let's see. We should probably take a break. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Folks, we've got about 25 more minutes, so if you have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We're headed north to Florissant and into Jane's yard. Hi, Jane. Hello. Hi. Hi. Yes, I had a question about my knockout rose bush. Okay. Uh, when can I trim it? With all the roses, you should wait until there's been a frost. So okay. unless you're just talking about pruning it for the sake of, like, encouraging the next flush of growth, but if you're just talking about pruning it for, let's say, wintertime dormancy, you want to wait until there's at least, you know, some cold temperatures. Well, you know, it doesn't look very good right now. I mean, it really? bloomed beautifully. And now it's, 
I guess, I don't know <laughs> what's wrong with it. Well, the knockouts have like four different, at least the ones I'm growing in pots. They, I'm on the fourth flush this year. So they've bloomed, and then things, you know, one of my prune, three of my prune, one of my didn't. But anyway, so then they kind of look ugly, and then the next flush should come again. Now, are you fertilizing? Yes. Okay, so you're using rose food. Yes. Okay. okay. So, you're so you're doing, doing everything. You're keeping it, you know, keeping it watered. watered. So, so you could prune, prune it. it. Certainly, it won't hurt. It just, just don't cut, cut it back too severely. severely. Okay. Otherwise, wait till the first frost. Exactly. exactly. Okay. Thank you. Yep. yep. And usually that's, you know, first heavy-duty frost. So if you would go to a Rose Society member or down to the Botanical Garden in the Rose Gardens, you're going to see. Now, this is not the shrub-type roses necessarily, but roses are pretty pretty much roses. Uh, which knockout is a shrub type, they are being cut down or cut back around Thanksgiving, maybe a little bit after that. So Maggie lives in Redbud, Illinois. Hi, Maggie. Good morning. My question is about rhubarb. I have quite a few plants, and I always heard that you're really supposed to pull from it with any month with an R in it. Is that true? <laughs> or when's the latest I can pull from my rhubarb? I would, I would say, say I, don't I don't know, know how many, many every, every month, month has, has an R in it, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Just, just about, about except June, June July, July, August. Yeah, May, June, July, August. Right. right. Yeah. So, so you could, you know, so you're asking if you can do it now. You can do more, you know, cutting of the rhubarb. Yes, I, I actually I pulled some this morning because I didn't put it in the freezer yet. But um, and I was just wondering if will I hurt the rhubarb by doing this? Well, the only thing you need to be worried about is if you leave some of the stalks with the leaves, that helps build the root system up for next year. Right. Well, so I, that, I just pulled a few from each oh, plant, you know. That should be fine. It should be fine? Yes. yes. Okay, that's all I needed to know. Thanks, Mike. Yep, good luck. And uh, rhubarb, it's a little tough to grow, so if you're having great success with it, uh, you're a very good gardener. Let's head out to Wildwood again, third or fourth time today, into Carla's yard. Hi, Carla. Hello, Mike. I am looking for large zucchini that are preferably non-GMO, and I heard someone else ask for something. I thought you might know or your audience. Hmm. I would say... Let's see. Some of the farmer's market type things, that's probably where I would go look. All right. So, that you know, I don't know you know, if there's far. I'm sure there has to be a farmer's market someplace in Wildwood or someplace out in that general area. There is. Yeah. They make great pickles <laughs> or hamburgers. <laughs> really? Thank you, Mike. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I didn't know. Now, did she say zucchini or did she say cucumbers? Zucchini. Really? Zucchini right. pickles. Oh, they're incredible. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I can't honestly say I've had a zucchini pickle. Well, you'll like it. All right. Thank you. Sure. Good luck with that. <laughs> I always thought pickles were cucumbers, not zucchini, but goes to show you. I don't know all I think I know. Remember the castor bean story earlier today? I got myself totally contaminated. So, Susan, how are you today? Hello. Hi. Uh, I'm fine. Go ahead. Um, I have a friend who gave me a holly tree out of her garden, just a weed, but the thing's four feet tall. So I Googled to find out what a holly tree becomes, and one site said it gets 40 or 50 feet tall and 18 to 40 feet wide. Is that true? Well, in this area, no. 
it's not going to happen. But you can okay. expect that, you know, if it's the American holly, you know, with the prickles on the edge of the leaf and the leaf is kind of oval shaped, then if it's that variety, it could get uh, 15 to 18 to 20 feet high with about 10 feet wide at the base. But you can prune them. I mean, hollies can be pruned to, you know, control the size and shape and everything else. Now, if it's a holly, you know, the foster holly, which has a more narrow leaf, they're not really as, you know, large growing as what I just described, the typical American holly here. Now, if it's a holly that's a shrub type, which I'm assuming that it's not, they're not going to get nearly that big. Oh, okay. So, so do you know if it's an American holly? Do you know what we the... We don't le- know. It's just a weed that came up in her flower garden. Right. Well, some bird uh, ate some holly berries and went to her yard and sort of went to the bathroom. And that's why the, you know, the holly ended up there. Right. So... In reality, you, if it's only a few inches, a few feet high right now, well, I would just four you know, feet tall. <laughs> it it needs an acidic soil, so you know, go to your favorite garden center and get some uh, iron sulfate. Make sure that you keep the soil acidic because that's going to keep the color good on the foliage. It'll keep it stronger, and then when it starts getting you know more branching and everything else, then you can do some pruning on it. But it's going to be several years before you have to worry about that. Okay, then the next thing is uh, my neighbor right next door has a row of holly trees. Um, one site I was on for Google said you had to plant these things like in groups of four in order to get cross-pollination. Am I going to be cross-pollinating with theirs? Is that all right? Uh, as long as it, it all depends on the variety. Some of the varieties need to be cross-pollinated, but the easiest thing to do is if when it flowers next year, if or when it finally flowers, just look at the flowers because what there is with a lot of some of the holly varieties, there's male and females, and but the American holly, if that's the type that you have, is self-pollinating, so you don't need four different ones. Oh, good. So if that's what it is now, the shrub type holly, that's why when you go to your garden center and it says, you know, blue prince, blue princess, princess is a female holly. Prince is the male. So with those, you need to put a male with, you can put them with a cluster of females because one male can pollinate all the females that are within windy distance. Okay. Can I count on my neighbor's trees pollinating mine? Or if it's a different variety, it won't work. Well, if yeah, I would say don't worry about it too much. Okay. I'll still have red berries? Uh, if, if it doesn't get pollinated, depending upon the variety, if it's an American holly, is she, they, I mean, they self-pollinate, so you don't have to worry okay. about it. Okay. All right. Now, uh, again, what was that <clears throat> that you said to go get um, yeah. the chemical? At the- yeah, you need to get iron sulfate. So, in other okay. words, sulfur is going to change the soil pH, and the iron is going to keep the leaves looking nice and dark and green. Okay, thank you. Yep. And Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got about 10 minutes. If you have a question or comment, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Then at 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Adam Bold. 11 o'clock, the KMOX Home Improvement Show with Scott Mosby. 1 o'clock, the Business of Family Business with Ryan Recker. And then at 210, the Amron Pregame Show with Alex Ferraro. So all kinds of stuff coming up after the Garden Hotline. Let's head over to Belleville and go into Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Good. Hey, uh, I have a, <clears throat> a patch of liriope that um, I wanted to get rid of because I wanted to plant a different type of ground cover. 
so I sprayed it with Roundup, and uh, that really didn't seem to do much of anything. I thought maybe the chemical was bad, so I got some more, tried it again, um, and that still didn't work really well. So then I got the woody, uh, the Roundup that was meant for woody plants for poison ivy and stuff, sprayed it, and this is over like about a month period, and finally just cut it all down and kind of dug it up and um uh then i planted the ground cover that i wanted and and now it's a, another month later and i'm starting to see sprouts of the liriope coming up right uh will that eventually die or or no no it won't to be honest with you what you should have done initially before you sprayed any kind of herbicide at all is you know wound the liriope and so in other words you'll mow it and then spray the Roundup or spray the herbicide right after you do that because you've got open wounds and it'll suck it in. Now, if this is a well-established grouping of, like, Liriope spicata, which is the one that is a blanket, you know, it's the ground cover type, you're going to have little sprigs that were never impacted by anything that you did that will continue to come up for probably a, a you know, considerable period of time, a couple years. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. Now, what kind okay. of ground cover did you replace with uh, it's, it's called chocolate chip ajuga. Okay. Well, what you can do then, because liriope has a narrow blade like a grass, you can go out there every time. Don't bother this time of year because of the waxy cuticle on the surface. But next spring, as soon as you start seeing some liriope come up, use a grass killer on it. Because liriope is in, you know, basically a grass because of the narrow blade. And that should not impact your ajuga at all. Oh, okay. But do it in early right. spring because, you know, if you do it then, then it's fresh leaves and it can absorb the herbicide in much quicker because later in the season, that's why, you know, the herbicides become less and less effective because it's waxy cuticle that the plants actually formulate, even if they're in the shade, to minimize the amount of sunburn that's going to happen or dehydration as a result of the weather and temperatures. Okay, and, and they make a killer that's just specific to grass only? Yes. So you can just okay. go and favorite garden center. There's all kinds of companies that make, it'll say right on it, grass killer. I use it, you know, I use, I use some herbicides. I hand dig a lot of stuff. But if I have some grass coming up, let's say in a, like a broadleaf weed, or broadleaf weed, broadleaf ground cover bed, I just spray it with uh, the grass killer. It doesn't impact, you know, my, uh, ground cover at all okay well that's great to know i appreciate the information great good luck with that and now let's go up to uh, overland in the sherry's yard hi sherry hi bike mike uh, i have a boxwood that we planted and mm-hmm. whenever we water it a bug comes out like a butterfly or a moth they like your boxwood no i I do the the very same thing happens to me. I have boxwood. I have uh, uh, some cypress trees. I have mugo pines. And whenever I just hose them, there's and even with my knockout roses, when I I always water those, you know, the potting mix that they're growing in in the pot. But also I just spray the foliage down, and there's always something that comes flying out of it. Uh, do we need to get rid of that or? No, nah, don't bother. Just keep watering it. Yeah, just keep your keep your boxwood healthy. And your moth may, you know, it may not come back next year. It may come back, but there may be another one there, a different kind, whatever. But just don't worry. They, they don't matter? No. 
for oh, the most part, not those. I mean, certainly there are moths and caterpillars that could be damaging and things like that. But as adults, don't worry. Oh, I was thinking I needed to spray something on the plant to get rid of them. No, most of the insecticides you have to are direct contact killers, so you have to spray it right on the moth anyway. So you'd be running around the yard chasing it with <laughs> trying to spray and hit it. Okay. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. Yes. <laughs> so uh, thanks, Sherry, and good luck with that, and just let the moth have its own way. Carol lives in Webster Groves. Hi, Carol. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I need to know when, a couple questions, and I'll be fast. When do shear, shear and shape use in euonymus hedges? Um, they're older, so I want to save them, and I didn't know what time of year to do that. They're getting kind of hairy, and I need to do it, I would think, pretty soon. Well, get it done quickly because if you do you know, pruning and we got a, a severe winter, you could have some real damage done because the tips of the branches that you're going to be cutting off or tips of the you know, twigs or whatever it happens to be, you know, they're a little bit more acclimated to the weather. So just don't cut them back a whole lot. And just kind of shape them, but do it soon because you want to make sure that they're acclimated, everything's ready. Even though the plants are going to go into the dormant period, we don't have any idea how severe the winter is going to be. And all it's going to take is, uh, you know, a really few days of really cold, cold temperatures could do some damage. Okay, I'll, I'll consider that very much. And then I have two small hollies that are they're about three feet tall, and they're growing underneath an oak tree near the root root you know close to the trunk mm -hmm. can i am i safe to move those i'm i'm concerned about the big oak tree uh, uh moving a broadleaf plant so i'm assuming these are hollies that are not deciduous so in other words the leaves stay on through the winter time uh going into winter is not a good thing it's better off if you can just leave them where they are sometime mid-march or so move them then okay gotcha and one more quick question a service berry the bark's being stripped off and i don't know why and i don't want to lose the big canopy of the service berry is that a concern uh are you is so the bark's just not splitting on the trunk actually something stripping it Correct, and I don't know what it is yet, but I don't. I'm I'm assuming it's squirrels. I don't know. Well, it could be squirrels. It could be chipmunks. It could be you know skunks. I mean, there are a few other things that might. What I would do is just any kind of frayed bark. You know, take a razor blade knife, cut all the frayed stuff off, and then get like a black plastic flexible pipe that you get like at you know a big box store or a hardware store, slit it and put it around the trunk so whatever's doing it can't have access to the trunk at the base. Can I'll do that because, again, it's a beautiful canopy with, with uh, uh, things for the birds, you know. The right, the fruits. The fruit, exactly, and it's all starting to come out, so it's great. Yeah, the service berry is a great, you know, basically ornamental shrub that's native. I mean, there's a shrub type and there's a tree type, but they are spectacular. Fall color, foliage-wise, fruit-wise, the color, and then, of course, this, you know the flowering in the springtime. Beautiful. And by the way, they're fast growers, right, if I buy any more? Well, they're not totally fast, but, okay. yeah, I mean, they're not going to just sit there. I mean, t once they get acclimated, you know, again, weather really sets a tempo for everything. Okay. So some years it's going to be fast, some years it's going to be slower. You just can't expect it to be the same year in, year out. Okay, thank you so much for your help. Well, thank you, and thanks to everybody for calling in. So, as I said before, Adam uh, Bold is going to be up at 10 o'clock with Investing Sense. Then at 11 o'clock is going to be the KMOX Home Improvement Show with Scott Mosby. So, if you have any questions about your house or your outdoors or your patios or anything like that, you can give Scott a call. And also, your lawn... 
Don't cut your grass too short. Even though the season's getting near the end or starting to go downhill for the warm season grasses like the zoysia, let those blades grow a little bit longer because the blades make food to keep the plants healthier. And the cool season lawns, they should start perking back up with this you know, cooler weather. So it's a, it's a roll of dice with any kind of plant material here. So my tip of the trial goes out to everybody because it is difficult to grow anything. I appreciate everybody calling in. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.